liberty lockdown please scan your barcode your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold where did it come from and where did it go it requires a fight not tweeting from your phone don't need a king get him off the fucking throne if you're riding with the thought you've always got a home the virus is scared of will come and it'll go the government knows this don't get treated like a hoe What's up, you lockdowners? This is Clint Russell, your humble host. Uh, today I had on Amari Sachet of BCH, now XEC or eCash fame, as well as Tobias Ruck of uh, Lotus fame. So these two guys are crypto entrepreneurs, if you want to call them that. Uh, I just look at them as innovators, uh, guys building escape hatches for the world. If you're interested in learning more about them and utilizing them, these guys are tremendous resources. We cover... Uh, obviously the entire economic insanity that we're dealing with, uh, the potential death of fiat. Uh, towards the end, we actually talked briefly about the Russia-Ukraine war and why Amari believes that we may be already en route to World War III or already in it. Uh, fascinating conversation. Uh, we talk also about the uh, Roger Ver BCH blow-up. Everything you can imagine. This is a, a very far-ranging wide-scoped conversation, but I loved it. Uh, these guys are brilliant, and I am just so grateful that I get to have resources like this to learn, because I am learning along with you every step of the way, especially when it comes to the crypto space, which is not my forte or my specialty. Today's episode, as always, brought to you by our friends at careerhackers.com. If you are in the job market, if you are currently employed, but you don't like your boss, if they are shoving woke nonsense down your throat, or if they are implementing ESG and you would just like to have some options. Well, work on getting those options by signing up over at careerhackers.com for free. Get yourself the Daily Job Hunt newsletter, teaches you on how to become a better job applicant and stand out in the crowd. I think now's the time. I really do. I think this is the time that you want to stand out and you want to make sure that you are on as stable ground as possible as the economic turmoil uh, starts to really take hold. And as you are certainly aware, if you've purchased anything lately, the economic turmoil has taken hold. Anyways, careerhackers.com. Enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to another special episode of Liberty Lockdown. I am joined once again by the legends, Tobias Ruck. And Amari Sachet. Welcome in, gentlemen. Hey, hello. Hello. <laughs> um, so, obviously, the uh, the crypto space, I know people don't like it when I say that, but it uh, it has imploded over the past, you know, since since I had you on, really. it's, it's, it's I think that's what started the uh, the bear market. Um, so, I wanted, to get a, <laughs> I wanted to get an update from you guys in that regard. Uh, obviously, there's cbdc rollouts that are progressing so i want to get an update there and then also because of amari's back background um with bch i thought it would be interesting to get a little bit of the backdrop on the whole roger ver bch thing uh, i i don't even know the details of it um so if we could i'd like to start there for those that aren't privy um i know a lot of people are thinking that there's there's real problems now uh there's i guess there's two counterparties that are that are claiming enormous liability to one another uh i don't expect you to necessarily litigate those claims but if you could just give a, a background as to what is going on there um if you're if you're yeah, familiar with it 
Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm familiar with it, though. Um, I need to preface everything that I'm going to say uh, with the fact that I don't have any insider knowledge, right? I don't work for Conflex or I sure. don't work for Rotorver and like I don't have the private information there, though I have the experience working in that space, working close to those businesses in the past uh, to know what's going on. Um, so Coinflex is an exchange, right? Like like there are many in the crypto space. Uh, they are, you know, important in the BCH space, uh, especially especially since they manage the bridge to a system called Smart BCH. So Smart BCH is a system that allows to run EVM style, you know, like, so like Ethereum, right? Smart contract, like on Ethereum, uh, but in the BCH ecosystem. And there was a bridge that was needed to move money back and forth between Smart BCH and the main BCH chain. And uh, the way it was done was not trustless. It went through Coinflex. So Coinflex was managing that bridge, right? And so what, what happier to have happened uh, since then is that Rogerver has been trading on Coinflex. Uh, according to the Coinflex guys, he lost a lot of money doing so. Uh, they saved 47 million. And um, Rogerver said that, no, it's not the case. So it doesn't want to pay. So in the meantime, there is no money in Coinflex anymore, right? There is a big hole. And, um, and so obviously like all the customers cannot withdraw the money because of that, because the money is not there anymore. Uh, and the smart BCH bridge is also, um, you know, frozen, but also like maybe the hold the money in the bridge may disappear from one day to the next. Right. Um, and you know, a lot of people ask the question, like, how come Roger was able to take a collateralized position, at least if we believe what the coin face guys are saying, right. Uh, Oh, come, right? Because if I want to open a position on exchange right now, I need to fund my account. And if I get liquidated, then the exchange is, you know, going to sell the asset that I own on the exchange. I should not be able to open a position that is bigger than the assets that I have on the exchange. Um, it's so it works for most exchange. But what I think happened there is that actually Mark Lamb, who manage Coinflex and Roger, they know each other, right? They are not like complete stranger to each other. They are, I don't know if they are close friends, you know, I don't know if they are that close, but they know each other. They talk to each other on a regular basis. They are, you know, at least business partner, if not more. Also, Roger is a big investor in Coinflex itself, right? So there was probably some kind of privileged relationship there that was going on that allowed the rule to be bent a little, probably too much. Right. And, and because the market went down, then, you know, when the market is down and you bend the rule, then, uh, you find yourself in trouble very, very quickly. Right. Like the expression say, you know, when the ties goes out, you see who's swimming naked and, uh, those people, they were swimming naked. Right. You know, it's like, uh, when, when you owe someone a million dollars, it's, uh, it's your problem. And when you owe someone a trillion dollars, it's their problem. It's yeah. Kind of, kind of like that too um uh, tobias you have anything to add there actually before before we get into it give me give me 10 seconds my brother's fucking alarm is going off and he's dead to the world so let me go shut that off <laughs> give me one second i'm sorry hey you didn't mention the rv token i'm, I'm gonna 
briefly mentioned. Oh it, yeah, it's just so it's just so ridiculous. Yeah, go over it. Go but over yeah, it. Yeah. Go over <laughs> it. That's. Uh, I don't know. I feel like the token is kind of dead before it started, so it didn't it's seem whole very important. Any, anyway. But I think it's yeah, important I'm, for the story. Yeah. Yeah, because there's like a bigger story. Like this is like a the CoinFlex thing is like a part of the big DeFi story, which is just like, okay, we just all lend money to each other and then it just like goes to shit. And uh, that mm -hmm. is just one instance of that happening. And it's it's basically because of, uh, I guess, like wrong memes and everything, right? Oh. All right. Ah, the downfall of uh, being a good brother and having a fucking roommate. Um, all right. So, Tobias, uh, what would you like to add onto this topic if you're familiar with any more of it? Yes. Yeah, so one one part uh, Amri was missing is that they actually, in order to um, like rescue or recover the funds, they launched the CoinFlex launched a new token. I don't know which mm. chain on, but they launched a new token, and the name is RVUSD, and of course, RV stands for recovery value. I mean, there are rumors that it actually stands for the initials of Roger Ver, but those are completely unfounded. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, the and, and here, here's the here's the thing: the um, annual interest rate for this token is twenty percent, right? So that is that is more than you get for German uh, state bonds, uh, obviously. It's uh, so it's it's kind of ludicrous. Like I've never seen something like that. It's very degenerate. And like, given the like, it's completely irresponsible. Given like the, the 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 friction you have between Roger and Coinflex, right? Like, if if they were like, oh no, okay, like it's like in a um, like in a marriage, oh, it, it doesn't quite work. But you know, here's the plan. Let's let's work on fixing it and whatever. So we'll raise the funds using this token. No, like there's an open war between between the two. It seems like I don't I don't want to put be make it too extreme, but like. You know, like one side said this, the other side said that. And now recently Roger said, okay, the next tweet I'm going to make tomorrow, which is today, will be will be better or something. So maybe maybe one party is like like reaching an olive branch and uh, like that's good. But, you know, it's just so it's like for me, it's so, so ridiculous. Like I, it, like it's it's a whole circus. Like I, I recently tweet like uh, when um bch had smart bch i like tweeted uh the DeFi circus because you know it's 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 what it is so um and i think this is uh this is part of a bigger story like the whole uh crypto space just seems to have these uh phases where they just um come up with something new and it it blows up and then like yeah it, it doesn't work anymore and um i think in this case it was the DeFi. It was the DeFi. Um, yeah. We're like, okay, if we just all start lending money to each other and then uh, like everybody's gonna become rich. And uh, of course that doesn't work. Like, um, here, well, here's because, crazy... because you actually have to fucking produce wealth. And this is just, yeah, exactly. this is just like a pure Ponzi scheme where we're offering enormous returns on investment north of 20% annualized as you, as you referenced just a minute ago. And as a as a old school hard money guy who knows that like to make an eight to to ten percent annualized return uh, securely is extraordinarily challenging. So when I started hearing about all these litany of coins that were offering these returns, I just I couldn't believe it. You know, I was like, I, in fact, I didn't believe it. I knew instantly that it was a fucking game. So yeah, it, it's yeah. good that you're going there because this is something 
like this is something that doesn't talk to everybody right but right typical investment you're gonna make a few percent if it's relatively secure if you can make 10 percent a year right year over year you are amongst the you know best trader that there is if you can make between 15 and 20 percent you're Warren Buffett right exactly. like quite literally right and and now you have those company and they come you they come to you and they're like okay like you're gonna leave your money to us and it's risk free and you get 20 percent API right so it's like you're gonna make the kind of money that Warren Buffett can make investing while knowing nothing and not taking a risk it's just like the whole story doesn't add up when you get the number and you know you know the typical number, right? So the question and, and you that don't you have need... a relationship to the Federal Reserve, nor do you have a relationship to any politicians to help you well, with that. Well, obviously, those assets. if you know the money printer, the rules are somewhat <laughs> right. different for you, right? But, <laughs> no shit, uh, yeah. If, if you are like a, a regular investor, then um, then this kind of return is is just not possible unless I mean. It, Sometimes it's possible. Like maybe you know something that most people don't know, of and and you can trade that, right? Um, the, like this is possible, right? But or or maybe you're willing to take risks that other people are not willing to take, and you can make this kind of return. But you know that you're taking a big risk, right? Exactly. But this all like I'm not an expert, and I don't think I'm taking big risks, and I'm gonna make twenty percent a year. It just doesn't make sense. Um, <laughs> So always pure, pure when there is this kind of return, yeah, when there is this kind of return, you need to ask yourself, like, what is it that they are buying? Like, why are they giving me that money, right? And um, there can be many different things, right? But especially in the crypto space, it's usually because you are taking the risk. Yep. And, well, and if you're not able out. to quantify that risk, then you are gonna lose at the end and to, yeah. to go back to the to go back to the smart bch because it ties it all together now yesterday the twitter of smart bch tweeted that they are working on a bailout plan for whatever happened there and if anybody is familiar with the like the genesis block of uh, bitcoin at all <laughs> it says uh chancellor on uh, second uh, no on brink of uh, second bailout for banks and now we're on the brink of uh, the first bailout or maybe even the second of a uh, smart PCH. So Jesus. yeah, it's kind of ironic that uh, if you play, if you play games that are similar to what uh, the banks used to play in 2008, then you will get the results that banks had in 2000, 2009. So uh, not, mm. not surprising uh, at all. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is an important remarks because even though this is happening in the BCH ecosystem right now, this is hardly something that is specific to BCH. It happens in many ecosystems. Like having the whole stunt where you emit a token to collateralize the debt and, and pay interest on it and whatever. Um, uh, Bitfinex did it, right? I think Bitfinex did it first. It was in 2016, if memory serves. So it, it, you know, it's like six years ago by now. They lost a bunch of money. I think they lost 80 million, something like that. But like I'm, I'm quoting from memory, so the number might be wrong, right? But they lost a lot of money. They couldn't pay uh, the exchange customers. Uh, you know, they couldn't like honor withdrawal and stuff like that. And so they emitted the token, um, and and 
you know, like with the money that they raise from the token, they could pay withdrawal and stuff like that. And they would pay an interest in the token and, you know, little by little buy back the token. Um, so this is like, this is hardly something that is new with CoinFlex. This happened before. Um, and this is probably going to happen again. It, it's, it's not a good thing, but this is happening because, you know, like when this is happening because of the bull market, people are over exuberant during the bull market. They're like, oh, this is a new paradigm. No, we can do like 20% API and it's going to work magically. Right. And at some point, like you run into reality. Right. Um, and, and at this point you have a pretty bad correction. Yeah. Oh, and and honestly, I think it's it's healthy. <laughs> I know that people will not understand why I say that, but I know you guys will. Um, you know, this is this is what capitalism does. You know, it it burns the underbrush when there's malinvestment, and I think that's what we're seeing. And hopefully, we can create a stronger foundation because of it. Unfortunately, it's highly probable, in fact, almost assured, that the the pol political class of the world is going to capitalize on these moments to roll out enormous regulation into this market uh do you guys have any update on that front i i know the, I didn't. the european the european union is actually rolling something i think it's called me mika so, so, something like that something uh, at the beginning uh, uh crypto yeah crypto asset is the last uh money and crypto asset something very simple and and they are doing very harsh regulations on a specifically stable coins because as we can see the uh even the RVUSD, which was supposed to be used to bail out Roger, is supposed to be a stablecoin. The Tether, by far, not by far, but it, it used to be by far the biggest stablecoin. Now it's just still the biggest stablecoin. Um, they, um, there is like solid rumors that they are not fully backed. <laughs> I think they admitted Who, they're Tether? not fully backed. Tether, yeah. Tether, it's not rumor. Like the SEC did an investigation into them. Uh, so. Maybe they recovered all the capital, right? But at the time, I think it was 2017, the SEC did an investigation into Tether and they found that they were not fully collateralized. So there is no reason to believe that they are now. So yeah, and, and it was it, it just Tether, like... Tether, Celsius. There's been a, a bunch of uh, names. I, obviously, I'm not a big uh, player in this space. So uh, I, I'm just kind of like watching from the periphery. Um, it was the entire allure of... Uh, stable coins just simply that you wanted to keep your money on exchanges for trading is that is that the value of it that you just want to have something pegged to the dollar so that you can move more efficiently in and out of trades yes okay yeah I think so there is the original... that there, there are a few there are a few other reasons uh, some of them that don't quite apply to the u.s but that apply in the world in general like in in many countries the capital gain tax happen when you get in and out of fiat Ah, so you had to say right? there. Not Got with it. every trade. Um, so so at the end of the day, you pay the same thing, right? Uh, but instead of paying it with every trade, you pay when you get in and out of fiat. So if you go to stablecoin, um, well, you're you not going into fiat, at least not directly. And so uh, that that allows you to optimize your taxes. Uh, but you can also like move the because if you move the money from one exchange to the next, for instance, you're gonna do a wire transfer to your bank account and then do another wire transfer to the other exchange. By that time, you know people who have capital like if you want to arbitrage something or whatever between two marketplaces, it's too slow, right? So you need to have a way to move money that is indexed in USD back and forth between exchanges, um, and, and, and let me... using stable coins for that. 
And let let me guess, they they receive a huge influx of capital because of that, and then they they look at this huge pool of capital and they say, "Well, let's go make some returns on this." And then when those returns don't happen, they're insolvent. Is that as simple as it gets? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Sometimes they go even further. Sometimes they're like, okay, we're going to provoke the influx of capital. And so we're going to offer, you know, maybe, maybe interest or, you know, like some kind of advantage to, to the person that, that, influ but <laughs> what is this advantage pay, uh, by it's paid by previous investor, right? So it's effectively a Ponzi scheme. Mm -hmm. Tobias, anything to add on this one? Yeah, um, to, to go back to the uh, regulations a bit. So, um, I mean, it is, they are cracking down specifically on stable coins. And, you know, you know, some, some parties said, oh, no, the, the central bank made those coins collapse. But, you know, like, they're, they were kind of like, um, how, would, how would you say, like, they were kind of doomed by, on their own. Like, it doesn't need uh, influence from the central bank in order to make those uh, collapse, especially coins like, uh, you know, uh, so Luna. Can use, I interrupt one second? Because I want to explain on the high level why, you know, why that doesn't work long term. Um, so so your, your listeners are probably going to be familiar with markets and stuff like that, right? Because those are liberty-oriented people. Well... On the market, you have supply and demand, and the price varies because of that, right? So inherently, on the stable, on the market, nothing is stable, right? The stable coin like doesn't exist. Its price is gonna depend on supply and demand. So what do they do to make the coin stable? Well, they have a mechanism to dampen, you know, those um, those movements that are natural that happen on any market. And but but the effect of that is that you know where previously you had an asset the price could bow to adapt to supply and demand. No, you have a mechanism that can, you know, keep the price to $1 within certain market movement, right? Um, but when you move outside of that, the mechanism is not strong enough and suddenly the value goes to zero almost instantly, right? It's, it's not that you can remove instability from the market the instability is there it's always there it's inherent to all the market work you can suppress it and then it happened all at once eventually somewhere down the road right or you can get a little of it all the time this is the only choice that you have and yeah. so the the stable coins they make the choice that well we're not gonna have it which means that you're accumulating tension and at some point they have to resolve and the later, uh, like, you know, the longer it takes to resolve and the more catastrophic the result. And this is why when you see those stable coin depeg, they don't go to like, you know, zero eight or zero seven dollar or whatever, right? Like they go from one dollar to zero bam in like an hour, right? Yeah. Well, that, that makes sense. I mean, just ask the federal reserve, how hard it is to keep your currency stable. Um, I, I mean, you also have, you know, any, any, even a hard asset it's still, there's still ebbs and flows because there's additional supply. Like look at the gold market, you can still find enormous reserves and that will increase supply, which will reduce the price. So it, it's just, so uh, the, the, the mechanism by which they were trying to keep these coins stable, I've heard algorithmic stable coins. Can you guys explain, either of you explain that to me? Like what, what was the algorithm that they were trying to use to maintain the dollar peg? So, so there are different ways to to do stablecoin uh, algorithm 
algorithmic stablecoin is is one of the ways, not the only way, but usually algorithmic stablecoin they are gonna be paired with another token, and the you know like the montage effectively is to move the um, you know fluctuation and stuff like that in the other token, right? And then based on so the other token works with rules such as if the demand for the stablecoin increase um then the other token the rule are going to change so that it attract more capital and more stablecoin are put in circulation so that okay. it meets demand and if the demand goes down then uh they're going to be like negative impact on uh on the stablecoin such as uh the value of the no not the, sorry if the if the demand for the stablecoin goes down then the characteristic of the side token uh, deteriorate um, in a way that is beneficial to the stablecoin as to prop up the value of the stablecoin. Okay. Right? So, so they're trying to offload like the volatility. Face to that market. One that is made to be stable and one that is made to be unstable on which you can speculate that's going to absorb um, all the fluctuation of the market. Right. Perfect. And then you can bet on, on those fluctuations with that other token. Now, that other token, it has a market and that market can absorb a certain amount of fluctuation right but at some point like if the fluctuation are too big then this side market cannot then everything collapses got it uh to be a you were you were talking about the additional regulations by the way i i just wanted to add real quick it seems to me that the reason that the uh the governments of the world would be capitalizing on this moment and and harshly pursuing the stable coin is because they want people to be exchanging in and out of either dollars or euros or whatever, because they want to have capital gains taxes. Is that a fair read? Han, I didn't think um, about that, but might make sense. I don't know. That's, that's one of them, but generally they want to have more financial control, right? Than any, any kind of event, you know, like right now you can see that a lot of people in crypto right now have lost a lot of money and they're asking like, oh, can that be like, why is not the, like, you know, why isn't the government doing anything? People are losing mm -hmm. their saving and stuff like that. When the reality is, is that there were people like, like Tobias or myself, um, that weren't for months that this whole stuff wasn't sustainable. Um, and they choose not to listen. Right. So they took their risk and unfortunately, uh, like they should be losing your, their, their money. Right. But. Yeah, you know, well, then you don't want to take responsibility because you don't want it to listen then and you want the government to intervene. And when you, you know, when a large group of people ask for the government to intervene, the government is going to intervene. Right. Um, it's going to come in as a, you know, huge opportunity to tell those people, hey, we're the government. We come here to help. We're going to save the day. Right. But at the same time, it's a giant opportunity to, um, you know, to implement like whatever they want and get more control over the situation. I mean, the same thing happened every time there is a shooting somewhere, the same situation happened when there is like some terrorist stuff that happens somewhere. Like every time you have something bad that is happening, the government steps in and they're like, like, look, there have been a shooting in the US not so long ago. And the government is like, okay, we're going to regulate guns. But when you look at the regulation, they want to regulate a bunch of stuff as well, you know, that come with the gun that have nothing to do with guns, right? Right um it, it, like it's a whole package but they use the fact that people are emotional to pass all of that at once uh, it's gonna be the exact same here they're gonna be like okay you know a lot of people lose a lot of money uh we need to do something and they're gonna be a package with 
a few things, you know, that at least mediatically you can say are going to help those people and a bunch of other crap that just, just want to pass, you know, it's, yeah. it's, <laughs> it's well, let, always how it works. Let me, let me put it into a libertarian metaphor so they can really grasp this. It's like basically arming and creating Al Qaeda in the in the 80s and then they come back on 9-11, they blow us up and then we have to give up our rights to go after them. Uh, this is, it's, you know, it's a story as old as time. The, uh, the, the, the government essentially creates the problem to a large extent, and then they come in and they offer more governmental solutions, which take more of our rights uh, to be. A, so the the uh, regulatory stuff um, you were you were going to cover some of that. Yeah, because uh, you know I'm reading that partially. Uh, you know, a few weeks ago I read the rules on Liechtenstein, which they they actually were one of the first uh, countries to regulate uh, tokens, and and basically, and the EU I think is similar. I only uh, glossed over it. And it's, it's always the same, like it's always, okay, you have to license yourself if you want to issue tokens, right? You have to be registered, you have to do uh, these kinds of things. And it's always, you know, if you, if you want to issue tokens, then, uh, and, and, and always, always they regulate, okay, you have to have like a white paper. And that's, that's always uh, curious, like, okay, we have to have white, we have to have a bunch of lists. And probably those are the things that all the big stable coins already have. And they're like, you know what, like the best, the best way to get rid of our competition is to just um, do what we already do and just make that law. And everybody else who is like smaller, they have like this huge barrier to entry in order to do that. So uh, that's like, uh, especially uh, U and uh, especially USDC is probably one of the biggest winners during this uh, market. So uh, the smart BCH, the RV USD thing, if you want to uh, buy that, you have to use USDC, right? USDC is from Coinbase. Uh, you guys uh, probably heard that it's uh, Circle, the Circle, the company, and they have a quite strictly regulated uh, stablecoin, um, USDC. And, um, but it's very different from, uh, it's very different from Tether. First of all, it's, it's fully backed, right? All the dollars are in some bank account somewhere, but second of all, they have the ability to freeze your coins, right? Mm -hmm. So if you, so it, it's, it no longer is like, okay, this is like a, this is like Bitcoin, like permissionless and everything. No, 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 no. <laughs> like yeah. basically you just have an account with them. They just happen to use the blockchain. But if they wanted to, they could be like, ah, oh, no, no, <laughs> this was uh, like a drug trade or whatever. No, your, yeah. your, your coins are frozen now. And In uh, fact, that's, it would be arguable that that's probably worse than having fiat <laughs> in a safe, you know, like if they could actually seize your assets anytime. So, um, all right. So the, well, the last time, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Well, that ties into the, I'm not sure if you want to go there right now, but that ties into the CDBC stuff. Because at some point you can be like, well, what's the big difference between USDC and a Federal Reserve uh, coin? Only that like one is only in the servers of the Federal Reserve and the other one is distributed over Ethereum or something. But the, the rules are, are pretty much the same. They're, they're just as transparent. And, and you could even argue that like USDC is worse than a, uh, than a CDBC coin. Because uh, on Ethereum, everybody can see the transactions, whereas with a CDBC, only only one entity, the Federal Reserve, can see uh, all transactions. Right. So, um, and we also see that through the collaboration. Like there is collaboration between the people who used to work for uh, USDC and the CDBC. Like uh, I'm, I'm not sure if we mentioned that last time, but there's there's tight connections in that. So you, you can already see. Like you can see it emerging in real time, how the, how, how this is gonna, um, shape out to be. 
No, I think I think you're exactly right. And you nailed the, the transition point. That's exactly where I was going next is last time I had you guys on, it was probably the first time many of my audience had even heard of the idea of central bank digital currencies, which is what we're going to be referring to as CBDCs moving forward. Uh, for my audience's sake, uh, my personal vantage point, and I think you guys share this, is that central bank digital currencies will amount to a total panopticon where they can do whatever they want, seize your assets, uh, you know, tax, uh, also implement UBIs, uh, use social credit scores to uh, make it so that you're unbanked or that you're uh, able to get credit. Uh, to so that last home, one just food. happened in China. Yeah, exactly. So I, I wanted to have you cover that for us real quick. Okay, so... Well, as you know, in China, they had COVID measures that were um, similar to what we had in the West, maybe like a bit more stringent, but uh, mostly better enforced because they have better technological means to do that, right? The measures were actually quite similar to what we had, but um, but they had better, better technology to enforce them. And so recently, there was a, a bank run, I think somewhere in Sichuan, but um, I'm not sure it, it doesn't really matter what it was exactly for the story, right? So there was a bank run somewhere, a bank run, meaning people are in doubt that they're going to be able to withdraw from the bank, all the money that they want, right? The bank may be running out of money, whether it's real or not, doesn't really matter for the bank run. At least there is the perception. And so everybody tries to withdraw their money at the same time, which uh, what if the bank is insolvent, it's going to collapse it. But even if the bank is solvent, they probably cannot honor all the risk the world uh, at one point in time because uh, they're going to have liquidity problems, right? Exactly. Even, even if they have the money somewhere, they probably cannot honor that. So bank runs typically cause a mess, but you'd ideally want to avoid them by making financial institutions trustworthy as much as possible. But in that case, the trust was already broken. There was a bank run, right? And the government uh, discovered that. And suddenly, like, all the health pass uh, from all those people in that area, they started blinking red, right? Like, as if they had COVID. So suddenly, they had to stay at home and they could not withdraw their money and, and all of that, right? And none of them had COVID, right? Like, none of them tested positive. Well, Maybe some of them did, right? But not the whole city, at least, right? Not most people in the city. They suddenly started turning red when they wanted to withdraw the money from the bank that was, you know, at least uh, from their perspective, risk, uh, risk to collapses. So we see those measures, you know, like they converge towards something. And, you know, they are doing it in China. Why? Because they have better technological means that are already deployed to do it. We need to not fool ourselves thinking that in the West uh, our, <laughs> our overlords are much more charitable. Uh, they are not. They just lack the means to do this kind of stuff now. Like the population would not accept it as much. And um, like the deployment, the technological deployment that is required to do that is not as good as it is in China. But if we look at that and we think that it's reserved to China, um, oh, yeah. we are fooling ourselves. Like in a few years, they are going to try to do that here, either in Europe or in the US uh, or in Canada, you know, like in the West. And uh, well, we're gonna, already we, kind of happened in Canada. So yeah, it kind of happened in Canada, right? Like, but but not as drastic, right? Because the Chinese right. government has the ability to get you locked at home and not access your money at all, right? But 
those technologies that are being deployed like CDBC and whatnot, they are a stepping stone toward the West being in the same situation as China is. Um, and I mean, you got to pay attention to that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think I think it's probably the most important topic, like in terms of long term issues that we're dealing with. And and what I'm struggling with is it requires kind of a, a conspiratorial mindset. Like you have to be able to think a couple steps ahead, because if you're just looking at it one step at a time, all of the regulations and things like if you see a, a stable coin that goes bust like you can you can understand the logic of people calling for the government to regulate these things uh, you can understand if you buy the pandemic propaganda that you want to have health passes like you can understand each individual step seems to have a reasonable argument even though i would disagree with all of the premise um but when you extrapolate just a couple steps ahead and you pair these things together it becomes extraordinarily clear that what you're dealing with is eventual totalitarianism. Um, I think it's an informational yeah, problem more than anything is that we, it's very challenging to educate the masses on what this is and where it's obviously headed. Yeah. And also like quickly on, on the conspiracy thing, you know, like I, I think this is a, a mistake that I see a lot of people do. They assume that because this is happening, there is some kind of puppet master that is pulling the wire and, you know, like people in some dark room around like some round table that, you know, twilling that some and, and, you know, uh, all of that. Right. But it's, it's not how it works in practice, right? Like, well, maybe those people, they exist somewhere, right. But they don't need to exist for that to happen. You can, you can have thousands and thousands of middle manager, middle managing, and each one, you know, like doing their stuff locally without big coordinated effort. And that would be happening anyway, you know, as long as there is nothing pushing against it. Well, and, it doesn't and require think, a grand plan from some mastermind that is pulling all the wires. Yeah. And I think I think the reason it doesn't require a grand plan is because this is the natural incentive structure of governmental power. You know, exactly. Like, like the central exactly. bankers, they don't the, even have the, to. They, they don't have yeah. to sit around a table and come to the same conclusion because they're all looking at the same mess and they're all saying, "Well, wouldn't it be good if we could like have this mechanism for control?" Like it just seems natural that they would come to that conclusion. No, it's yeah. yeah also, each ministry, each yeah, administration, they see an opportunity to increase their power and influence, and they're gonna seize it, right? And so one day is the health branch of the department. They're like, oh, there is a pandemic. We're going to leverage the opportunity to have more influence and more power, right? But when the pandemic is over, this power doesn't quite go away, right? It stays, <laughs> no. right? And then uh, there is this crypto market crash that happens. And the financial branch of the government is like, oh, this is an opportunity to get a bit more influence. And 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 so, okay, let's go there. And, and it doesn't quite disappear, right? And tomorrow something happens and... The day after tomorrow, something else happen, and each branch of the government get a little more power that way, just because there are a bunch of you know uh, people in those administrations that are like, okay, you know, like this is what we gotta do because if the administration get more power, we get more power, so that's great, and and all of them are doing that right, and over time it compounds towards something that is quite scary. But it doesn't require someone that is like, hey, you, the health, we're going to like release a virus and you're going to do this. And like people are just going to do it by themselves, even if you don't tell them to. Mm -hmm. it's, it's their natural incentive. 
Yeah, and I, I actually went to, you know, pe people say, oh, it's all at uh, World Economic Forum in Davos. I actually went there in, in Switzerland to check it out, mostly for the, for the blockchain stuff. Uh, I didn't go to the Klaus Schwab uh, presentation, but, uh, and, you know, like all the people there, they were all like, I, I met a lot of very wealthy people. I met a lot of like very, um, like focused people, but they were all like to there to improve the world, right? They were all. And they genuinely uh, thought that, and I, and I was like, okay, I'm actually here for the same reason, right? Like, I I want to like improve the world. At least, I mean, at well, least I want to. I want to improve the world by undermining every single person here. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. And that is, and at the end of the day, that is power, right? And I and you know uh, some. And I, I think there's probably a bunch of libertarians who are who are like exactly the same. And there were a lot of libertarians there, right? It was like, no, like we, the the best way I can improve the world is to um, make libertarianism great, or like make everybody uh, or turn everything libertarian. And uh, and I think we need to be more like, okay, no, we have to uh, just have the the correct mindset, of course, need to uh, improve the lives uh, of others where, where we can. But just like this general view of like, no, it's it's my responsibility to improve the world and so forth. I think that might be a little bit of, of a trap. And um, I'm not sure if it if it uh, leads down uh, the, the best path. But it was just very striking for me to see, like at Davos, I was expecting, I mean, I don't know what I was expecting. I wasn't really expecting anything. But if like, if, if like, like you asked me now what I would have expected, I would probably be more like uh, people who are more interested in power and everything. But like they very carefully are probably completely subconsciously uh, uh, buried that under this like th and these thick layers of um, like, oh, it's, it's for the environment, but also like, no, yeah. like we need to free people, like people should be free and everything. And, um, and all, like, and a lot of like very like spiritually enlightened people, I guess, like there was a lot, a lot of talk about like uh, spiritual uh, growth and like becoming uh, free from your trauma and so forth. So, so those like, they're not these like, uh, like people who just sit around a table and, and uh, you know, <laughs> smoke cigars. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's completely not uh, what is the case. Um, yeah, well, it doesn't, it doesn't actually, it doesn't actually surprise me because I've worked as a money manager with some really wealthy people. And um, what, what concerns me, though, is that because these people have already accumulate, accumulated such enormous wealth and power, that oftentimes, um, you know, they have they have a, a false sense of superiority where they they become incredibly uh, convinced that they are not only smarter, but better than everybody else. Uh, not to mention, they also have a, a sense of moral superiority where they just think like whatever I'm doing is good because I am better and I am smarter than everyone. And I'm going to, this is the whole, this is the whole explanation and the whole defense of technocracy is that you want to have these types of people that are molding the world. Uh, the, the issue is that if the premise from which you're functioning and analyzing civilization is flawed, which in my opinion it is, uh, but you pair that with moral certitude, well, then you, you have a recipe for potential catastrophe is that you guys agree or no, disagree no, with any of that no i, I absolutely agree. agree and yeah. uh, we we see that because the you know the general framing in davos was okay how can like what problem do you have and how can we solve it with, with blockchain right like it wasn't like hey, you have problems how can we solve it right it's like no how can blockchain specifically solve it so the right. framing is, is, is a little weird uh, and i think it's the general thing it's like oh, okay now now we have this 
a central bank digital currency like uh you know like what can we do to to get this uh, established i think will be will be the uh, will be the, the big question um and you know what i what you know I'm, i think a lot about central bank digital currencies recently and i'm like it's kind of inevitable if you think about it like we have this incredible incredibly te technology the internet it's completely disrupting society right i just recently like saw some 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 video and i realized like holy shit the internet is super toxic like why why am i like watching this specific thing like i should i should get off there and i don't know like uh work in a garden or something we have a garden here <laughs> yeah i should do one more work there just to like <laughs> connect more with uh, with me as a human i almost forgot one of our newest and most esteemed sponsors and that is expat money show uh, i've had mikhail thorup on the show before he is an absolutely brilliant guy has traveled the world lived in multiple countries for the past 20 years he has been doing the leg work so that you don't have to so that if you are listening to this episode with Amari and Tobias and concluding, okay, maybe I need to go somewhere else. Well, that's called expatriation. And if you don't know what that is, you should start with expatmoneyshow.com so you can figure it out. It's pretty complex. I'm not going to lie. I've been looking into it for about a year now, uh, maybe even two years. And this guy, Mikkel, is unbelievable. He knows everything. Like, literally everything. And with his show, for free, you can learn a lot about it. And if you become convinced, you can also hire him to assist you in crafting your own plan to become an expat yourself. And now might not, now, now might not be a bad time to look into that. Like I said, go to expatmoneyshow.com. Enjoy the rest of the episode. Instead of Touch like grass, just... as they say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and... And like it's and and you know, the internet is like great and everything, but it like kind of like if we if that's our only life, then that's obviously is very bad. So, um, but then I kind of like of course you would use that for for a currency, right? Like of course you would do that. And the reasons why uh, the central bank do, didn't do that yet was purely technological. Was purely scaling, I think. Like, because because the solution why uh, the central bank emerged in the first place was to facilitate interbank transfers very easily right they needed okay we need we need to deposit we need to have a deposit somewhere and they just deposit it at a central bank and then they can be like okay from this bank to that bank transfer it over and the central bank actually executes it and they would just like like it was just people who were like you know changing numbers here and there and then uh, the balance is updated but now we have the ability to mil a million x that maybe even more like we have the ability to handle like a million more transactions per second on a, on a computer um and then like isn't it like these people have all the levers right like the the central bank they can just like make up rules as, as they want they can just print as much money as they want of course they can change the back end like that, that should be obvious they can yeah. just change okay how do we process transactions and, and more than that we get to realize that many people want that Many people want that, right? So this is possible. This is getting easier every day and many people want that. So it's probably, yeah, I don't know if it's inevitable, but like very close to that at least. And so oh, yeah. the question we need to ask ourselves is that, okay, we don't want that. What alternative do we build for ourselves? Because I think libertarian often make that mistake. They're like, okay, we're going to like take our sword and, and, slay the beast but the beast is like you know a thousand times bigger than us and 
And so that's not really reasonable. You cannot really beat it that way. But the worst part of all of that is that some people are looking at you and they're like, what is this moron doing, right? And then libertarianism uh, looks bad, um, looks bad when you do that, right? Uh, because they're like, okay, like maybe that was a great idea, but look at like this guy is believing in it and look at what he's doing, right? So clearly that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't want I don't want to end up like him, right? So I'm not gonna follow that path. Whereas if you build an alternative and the alternative is better and it's demonstrated to be better because you live a better life doing so. Yep. Then people are gonna look at your life and be like, oh, you know, like what is this guy doing so that it works for him? Um, and Could, and because more. different people want different stuff, some people are going to do that, but many people are just not going to do that, right? They're like, oh, you know, I'm so cozy in, <laughs> in my box car, <laughs> right? Yeah, um, yeah. Jesus. And, and, the pot. and that's fine. And, you know, as it's a continent of libertarianism that, you know, uh, value is subjective and, um, those people are not valuing liberty the way we do. Um, so... Right. And, and we have to accept that as individuals. Yeah, we have to accept that. Yeah. And we have to I, accept I think... that. Like those people are hurling toward some horrible panopticon. <laughs> and we know that. But not only they are, but many of them are happy about the situation. Right? So, <laughs> so this is probably happening. So now as libertarian, we need to ask ourselves, like, what is what alternative do we build for ourselves because we don't want to go there but right now there is only one train and it's going there right so we got to build the second train because we are not going to convince the people on that train to go somewhere else like they are on the track it's fixed like we know where it goes yeah no i, I think that's a great way to describe it and uh, having just spent a week at uh, at Porkfest, which is a enormous gathering of libertarians and anarchists in new hampshire which is the free state project uh there are people that are actually producing an additional train option. Uh, the, the issue is that because we exist in a democracy, uh, oftentimes the, the regulatory environment, when it comes to us attempting to build that additional train, becomes very overbearing. And I think that mm -hmm. that's, that's really the problem is that, you know, I, I have given up on trying to salvage the United States of America. You know, what I'm most interested in is just having a few peaceful options. You know, if it's New Hampshire and Florida, or if it's New Hampshire and, you know, for for Vin's sake, Saipan, you know, it, like we just need a few enclaves where people that still value human liberty and, um, you know, the flourishing that comes with capitalism and minimal or uh, non-existent government. Like, I would just like a handful of options on the planet for that. And it seems like that's the real fight right now is, yeah. can we even have one? Uh, do you guys think we can? Or is are we going to have to be kind of lone wolf, agorist style uh, marauders <laughs> where we just continue to move? I, and... I think that we can because the more... Like, this train exists in different country and goes at different space, right? Mm -hmm. Like, in China, they have, like, the high-speed train version of it. <laughs> Like the maglev train that is going 500 <laughs> kilometers an hour, right? And in Very the West, analogy. we have like the more old school train. Like there we've got an Amtrak, right? It doesn't go as fast. It's not as efficient, KGB. but it's going there as well, right? Yeah. Um, but as more and more of those trains arrive, I think it's going to get clear 
to at least some people in other locations that you know it, it's it's not a very good place to be and and what we need to do as libertarian is to concentrate on on those locations you know where the train is late and and create some critical mass in there and you know like to be fair the people from the free state project they are doing that to some extent i always wonder myself why they are doing that in the us because um if I'm honest, I know like libertarianism is pretty strong culture in the U.S. more than it is in many other countries. But at the same time, the immigration law are so bad that pretty much like the free state project is going to limit it to Americans. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. And um, like, let me tell you, there are a lot of people in the world that are not Americans. I know that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know one. You don't say. I know that that may come as a surprise, but uh... <laughs> there's like six point seven billion of them. Of course. <laughs> we are we are incredibly narcissistic, though. So I take that point uh, sincerely. It, yeah, you're right. No, but, I, I but think... see, like personally, for instance, I would go. I would go to a place like that. Like I would go to the Free State Project if that was not in the us right if that was in a place that is for me easy to emigrate to i would go and let me tell you i'm a french citizen so moving to the us for me is actually easier than it is for pretty much anyone in the world right Mm. Mm -hmm. but it's still complicated right because i can go there for like a few months that's easy but if i want to stay longer i need to go through the visa process it's super complicated you effectively need the lawyer to help you but once you do that, you become effectively property of the U.S. government in some way, right? Like if I have revenue outside of the U.S., no, they are taxed in the U.S., uh, for instance. If like, you know, if I have this kind of visa. So that's like you are asking people that are not from the U.S. to enter into a system that at least, you know, like financially speaking, is probably going to be more oppressive than whatever they have. Uh, yeah. not because the world is so nice and everything, but like the capability of enforcement of the kind of stuff that the US have is way greater than pretty much the one on every other country on earth, right? No, I think that's so that seems to me like a very weird move to do that in the US. To me, that's not consistent with the goal. But you well, know, think, if they can make it happen, that's the kind of project that I want to see, right? No, is... no, for sure. I, I think I think in their in their defense, the, the reason for that is simply because much of the libertarian masses that exist are they they carry this like american revolution ethos and and because of our indoctrination into uh the kind of the hagiography about the american revolution and and how the country came to be the the enshrinement of human liberty and the bill of rights and things like that they just believe that like there's there's enough people here to make that a good start but i think that what would be an interesting concept and maybe the free state project folks have already considered this would be to have sister cities to have you know something in latin america something in europe something in asia uh where we can kind of get our own autonomy or fight for it and then and then, or we'll hopefully peacefully fight for it and then uh and then you know trade amongst each other to try and keep things going because as we know so much of business is going to be internet led so it's like it you don't really need to be proximally uh adjacent to one another so uh, to chime in on that, I actually have a bit of because you know that's what I actually focused on quite a bit. Like, okay, where where in the world is is such a place? Like, is there any place left on the earth where there is um, like freedom? And I think there's and two. The answer is no. 
Okay, okay <laughs> yeah, go ahead. No. Go. <laughs> but <laughs> there's, I think there's two two kinds of like locations or kinds of locations. So first of all, the first is where you just get a piece of land and you just do a homestead because then like you don't care about the CDBC, right? The Amish, they they like they probably don't know how the like they don't know how the credit card works or whatever. I mean, they the probably... Amish they are the OG of what uh you know we've been talking about right now yeah right they like they they really did it and you know i don't want to go too much in that area but i think there's a little bit in uh in christianity that like gives some some hints here and there how you can build a society like that because you need the cohesion and everything but let's let's not go there and so so, so that's the first part like uh, make yourself as self-sufficient as you can and if you yep. can't connect with people that that do right like there's um you know th uh, thriving future podcast or something from uh Perpent, like in, and they're just focusing okay what can what steps can you do in order to become self-sufficient and of course a big part is a community and everything uh in that in that realm and i like 100 agree like that's that's one that's one path to go the other one which i think will um become more and more difficult but also um, still very important is the kind of digital nomad kind of thing where you're like, okay, you know, I don't want to pick a fixed location. I just want to become like a very um, like productive person on the internet. So this is very enticing for software developers. Like uh, I, you know, kind of did that the, uh, during the pandemic, which was very like easy, right? Like you just, you just, okay, all right. Like Germany is going full, uh, you know, pick a time period in Germany that didn't go so well, and uh, then uh, and then I just go somewhere where that is not the case, and um, and that was very liberating, right? It, of course, was uh, quite expensive because I had like flights during during the pandemic were very expensive, but what then also happens is that all these digital nomads they start to like congregate, but it's like a weird kind of congregation, but some because they're they're more like uh, like birds, right? Like they, they just pick a spot and then they are like, okay, I guess this isn't free enough. Let me go somewhere else. And so what I saw is um, like when I went to Saipan, that, that like kind of started, like it's kind of like one of these kernels of people that all know each other. And they're like, okay, let's pick a spot where we're free. And then yep. Saipan was like, okay, these and that, there's some difficulties here and there. And then uh, there is Honduras, right? Like they have the Zedi laws, there's Morazan, free private city. And, and they actually have the laws in order to like build a free private city in Honduras. Obviously, you know, culture and everything uh, is a little, uh, is very different there, but you know, all the, all the big, uh, like um, Titus Gable who wrote free private cities, they're all focused on these things. Now they kind of struck down that law soft and now people are looking at other places. I think the latest one that is very interested is Sao Tome next to Africa. It's like kind of near, Null Island, like the where everything, where all the coordinates are zero. Uh, it's like kind of close uh, to to that area, um, and I think those those will be the two ways. I'm not sure which one is the best one. Probably both have have merit, and for, and for the second one, you know things like uh, I went to uh, Expert Money Show, right? Where they're focused. Okay, how can you get as many like residencies, as many passports, and so forth as possible? Because we know like. Um, during the COVID time, like many places you just literally could not go to. Like I could not go to South Korea, even though I really needed to because of some uh, like of some visa stuff. I really needed to go to South uh, Korea. That would have made everything much simpler, but I couldn't because they just were like, no, like you, you are not yeah. coming in here. If I had a, a South Korean passport, which by the way, you shouldn't do, like it's way too hard, but there are other places where you can do that. But if I had in theory, like I could just go there and be like, no, I'm a citizen. Like. Uh, you know, like you need to let me in here. So, well, this, so I think those is, are the two two paths. 
for this is to, for that. Th this this is the <clears throat> rare rare opportunity where I get to plug my sponsor because you brought them up organically. My buddy Mikel Thorup, uh, expectmoney.com. Everybody, if you're listening to this and you're going, okay, where the hell am I going to go? Expectmoney.com is your answer. Uh, he he has done the the on the ground research to figure this stuff out over the past couple decades. Um, a tremendous resource. Uh, given what he charges. So definitely go check out expatmoney.com. Uh, so this, uh, for me, this always boils down to a debate between decentralization versus, uh, you know, amassing enough like-minded people to hopefully be able to defend yourself. Uh, I, I don't think that there's necessarily a right answer with this. Uh, I Because, like, there's certainly a possibility that if you put every libertarian in New Hampshire, <laughs> you know, like um, imagine that you could like do that. each other. <laughs> well, yeah, they, they, that's also a possibility. But uh, I think that the the more horrifying possibility is that that the you know the federal government just says, well, we now have all of it's like it's like if you were to get all of Al Qaeda or all of ISIS into one house and you have a drone circling above it, you're like, well, I think we're going to take these, this entire ideology out. Um, so. That, that always concerns me, like, like putting track. all of my favorite people in the same spot. So I don't know. I don't know if that's a good idea. Yeah. So and, well, and we, we believe it's in the free market. So I think uh, we need to try all different models, like maybe just homes. And you can you can just do the homesteading. Like many people in, uh, I don't know, in, in, in a really shitty uh, communist country are living happily and f quite freely because they, they are self-sufficient and so forth. So maybe that's the approach. For, for the second one, like you need you need way more like uh, structures. You need to have everything in place. You need to have this, you need to have that. Um, you need to have passports, you need to have residences, you need to have, have the money and the income. And for that, I think for the second uh, kinds of people, this, um, this crypto stuff is way, way more important because, you know, Aubrey and I, uh, we both know how hard it is to move money uh, from one uh, country to another, like uh, especially um, like bank money, especially above certain amounts and so forth. For uh, homesteaders, of course, it's less so. But especially if you have, if you have like, say, say you want to sell some stuff that you produce, like, you know, crypto is perfect for that because you can ship it online, right? You can you can sell it there. You right. can uh, you can charge. Actually, like for the. Uh, for the conference I was doing, like because my um, my business that I'm doing that uh, for um, uh, the electronic cash conference in Prague um, from the 26th to 28th August, Omri will be there. I will be there. We will nice. be um, we we will we will be like basically uh, two and a half days fully packed with 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 all of our wisdom that we accumulated in crypto. All the details about CDBCs, um, like all the stuff. Basically, I think it's a perfect counterpart to the expat uh, money show. Uh, yeah, for like, sure. This is all the stuff that uh, you know, that is like well, very in 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 the weeds uh, there. Um, yeah, and and for that, you know, because my business was registered as a certain kind of company, Stripe was like just closing my account, right? So I couldn't accept uh, credit card uh, payments. Um, anymore i could still accept paypal because paypal doesn't have this restriction but only having paypal is you know a little a little like too little so i uh so i just added cryptocurrencies obviously right i mean sure, sure. I'm, I'm native of course i'm gonna do that so you <laughs> uh like i was like okay you know why like oh now i'm now i'm one of those people that are like i'm now I'm my own customer kind of right like yeah like, no that's oh, great shit. so the, like, this I, is I have to do this. <clears throat> you guys brought up the amish and and uh you know, I, I think that you're right. It's funny because they, there's this strain of 
Ludditism that runs through the Amish where they want to have, you know, as, as minimal technology as possible. Uh, you guys are obviously the flip side of that coin, like where you want at maximal human liberty, but you're, you're pairing that with some of the most cutting edge technology out there. So uh, can we have an Amish community of technological elites? <laughs> Is that possible? Yeah, yeah. Um what you need is a strong binding culture right and there are going to be many different elements to that culture uh, like this is what the amish have and this is what allow them to do what they do what that culture actually is is not that important what is important is that they have a group of people they have shared value they live with each other and they support each other right they have the different skills and stuff like that that are required to have a functioning uh you know, a functioning society, and therefore they are not that they and and they have a rejection of like the government in general, and the government kind of like agreed to let them be. So um, that's that's the important part, right? And what those values are going to be precisely, I think, is not so important. Different group of people are going to have different value, but you need to find the people that have uh, values similar to you. And if you don't care much about technology, that might be the ambition that's great for you. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, I like the uh, the conveniences that come with technology. So I was like, otherwise, I would probably just become homage. I don't even know if that's mm -hmm. possible. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like I have. I'm having similar thoughts. It's like, well, should I just become homage and just become self sufficient? But you know, the problem is that that would be like, you know, there's a lot of people who don't want to do that, but they like are kind of in between. And then I'm just like wasting all of that, like all of these skills that I had, and I, I'm right. kind of letting them down, right? Like you gotta, you gotta <laughs> give up your programming skills and learn how to plow a field <laughs> to be as. Um, well, I'm right, not, so... I'm not opposed to that, but it just feels like, like, isn't it like kind of irresponsible uh, to do that? So like, I, yeah, so, yeah. And I think, I think we can, I think we can merge the two. So I think there's, um, like, there's this emergent, uh, you know, Christian re reemergence, re which, like, especially like you've you've oh, seen it with 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 uh, Vin now Cyprian, like he yep. or Orthodox Christianity, very very surprising for me. I'm I'm still like fascinated, and I and I pay close attention to to all of that. Me too. And um and I think if you, what you really need in order to achieve these things is like a very very strong culture, and and if we combine that with, with very strong um, technology, because as I said, like, I think the, the, the internet is very dangerous at this point. Like, it's just so convenient. It, and like, you're kind of wasting, like, sometimes I'm just there and like, wait, wait, holy shit, I just wasted a day. Like, like I didn't really do, do much. And like, you kind of like, where, where did it go? Like, I didn't really produce much. And uh, of course, those days are infrequent, but they happen from time to time. And you're like, oh no, like the internet took away my time. And for that, you really need to have some discipline, some some structure, some like cultural values. They're like, no, like let me limit this, or let me like only do the things I really need to, right? Um, uh, so, for example, I don't watch uh, Netflix anymore because I know, like, you know, what what do I gain from that? Like, there's no, like, maybe I watch a documentary or, or so, but I, I don't know. Like, it uh, just it just doesn't feel like uh, what I want to do. And I think what will happen is that more and more people will have these kinds of structures. But they still like you, you will not be like I'm not sure if the Amish will be able to outcompete the federal government of like like because they're they're just like purposefully limiting their power by by far right like the federal government they can have drones that are observing everything they can like 
they mastered the skills of manipulation. They, they, they mastered all of these things. Of course, the homage all thing that is, that, are, that is from the devil and that is evil. And, you know, like Satan is literally right. coming uh, to visit just, them when the, they just ignore it though. Yeah. yeah, yeah they just they, ignore it. Uh, that's, that's what they get out of being not so technological. Yeah. yeah but, but they're, but they're, they're also fighting. Know. They don't receive it. Yeah, but, yeah, what, but what if they're you know, also not a threat? The, so they the, just the government is stepping up, right? Like you, you had you had cults like uh, that that where the government stepped in and were like, no, we need to shut this down because there's something, right? I think the Amish are very very isolated mm -hmm. from that because they're just so so isolated that they're not really interfering uh, much. Also, they don't believe in voting, so like politicians, like any <laughs> any minute any minute spent on the Amish is a complete waste, right? Like if yeah, you, if no, you try to ponder to them, if you try to demonize them. There's nothing you you you, wow. you really you, you really gain there. That, that's the best argument I've ever heard for not voting as a right? as a, you know an ideological block. I actually had an epiphany while you were talking about wasting time on social media. I don't know if anyone's ever made this point, but if you if you extrapolate from people's acceptance of fiat being worthless, which I think more and more people are starting to perceive it that way because of the crypto space it kind of makes sense that people would look at likes on social media as equally valuable. So like they, like people are no longer, they're, they're no longer driven to go out and get and, and accumulate all this, you know, fake paper money. They're like, I'm just going to accumulate these fake <laughs> electronic likes on a bunch of different platforms. Uh, that's a fascinating thing. I hadn't really con considered. Yeah, it Anyways. gets your attention, right? Yeah. Oh, well, you. of course. And, and, oh, but the attention the is, like attention is not the resources you can inflate like we inflate fiat, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, as fiat inflates, there is a point in time where the likes is more valuable than fiat. It has to be, <laughs> right? Because the fiat is a proof that someone spent attention on you. And attention is a oh, scarce wow. resource. Like you cannot fake it. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean... Well, you can have there bot farms that move, hit, hit a... Hit you like can have bot farms. Like, yes, right? The bot farms are kind of like, I think... because. I think the, but the bot farm is things. a way to to fake the whole thing, right? Like the bot farm is a way to signal to people, hey, look, a lot of people right. are spending attention on me, and therefore what I'm saying or what I'm doing or even who I am must be very valuable, right? Yeah. It's it's a way to fake the signaling, but it it doesn't get the same thing for you. No, it no exactly because right? it's not sincere. It's not actual attention. Like if you don't have people that will follow, like I my the way I evaluate attention is. Do you have people that will follow you to go listen to what you have to say on a platform that is not your own? Like, like true, like people that are really wanting to hear what you have to say. And I'm fortunate that I have a, you know, a handful of people that now do that. Um, and I think that that's kind of, that's when, you know, like, it's not, it's not concocted. It's not bot farms that are liking your stuff. Like you have a real uh, audience that is, is interested in what you're doing. Um, anyways, I, I wanted to, uh, get into the latest with the CBDC, we didn't really hit it. Is there anything new that has come out since we last spoke? So it's, yeah. So, um, yesterday, actually the European law about crypto has been voted. So that's, <laughs> that's one of them or voted or decided or whatever, like, uh, it's 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 no doubt right and probably that, that was the yesterday. one that to be as referenced when it came yeah. to the yeah, stable yeah, yeah, coin yeah. regulations and stuff okay. yeah yeah so you know like what they say is like oh this is like the greatest crypto regulation ever it's gonna prevent money laundering and you know scams yeah. and and whatnot right sure but, 
it's it's uh, it's already taking effect in some exchanges that have to KYC a bit more than they did before. Um, I don't know if you saw those news, but uh, Coinbase, for instance, installed the new. So I, I need to explain something because people have the impression that Europe is kind of like the US, right? Where you have state and the central government. That's not at all how it, how it works. Um, there is an European parliament that can pass, but kind of low, but they are not low, right? Like, because it's not a country. Um, it's, those are called directive. And then you have like each country in Europe is a different country with a different legal system and a different existing set of law, different constitution, all of it, right? Like those are completely different country. And so you cannot really pass a European law that would apply everywhere in Europe that way because all the legal system are different. So the way it works is that they pass directive and directive are like kind of like guideline that you have to follow or implement in local law over the next two, three years. And so the details of what that directive is going to look like are going to be different in, you know, like the general idea is going to be the same, but the details are going to be different in every country and they're going to apply at different point in time. Right? So this is why in the Netherlands, they have already translated that directive into local law. So company like Coinbase and stuff like that, they do their thing in the Netherlands. They don't do it in the rest of Europe, but you know, they're going to have to do something similar in the rest of Europe. Uh, eventually over time but is, but real, we can see quick, that real, yeah. real quick the the mechanism for uh forcing that because you said like they have to follow the directive in a in a, a number of years is this all predicated on the utilization of the euro across these nations and that is that the mechanism by which they obligate them to implement those laws uh not really no so what's going to happen is that if if the law is contradictory to those directives uh, and you get condemned in your country, for instance, to, to do something or to not do something or whatever, like if there is a court case in a country and, and you lose it, even though the directive uh, said that you should win it, then you go to the European Union and you're like, okay, the law in my country is condemning me because of that, whereas the directive in Europe said I should be the opposite. And the country itself is going to be fined by the European Union because the law in the country doesn't conform to the directive. Interesting. So they can fine them even though it's against their local constitution. I mean, this is like, it's like federalism, but then the federal government fining, you know, Texas because they won't do what's against their constitution. Yeah, it's That's like imagine every state is like has a completely different set of laws. The the justice system works differently. Like people don't even speak the same language, right? Sure. Uh, they have they have, they have different TV. They have different different everything, right? They are effectively different country, but they have to conform to those directive. Well, why? But why find them if if their local, uh, you know, if Spain's laws say, hey, we can't implement this? Well, why find them? That's part of the deal. If you join the union, right? If you join the union, that means that you're gonna have to apply those directive. We Jesus don't have Christ. we don't have still state nullification. So in in some yeah. sense, the the uh, the EU is less uh, like uh, like decent like well. The, the some government... country have veto power. Um, mm. So some country can like I think Ger Germany doesn't have it because uh, 
they didn't went into the union with like the upper hand <laughs> not really yeah, right. right but um uh, the original country that uh, created the union uh, have have a veto power uh, so but, did, but did you, you need to do it before the directive is is in place right like if there is a directive that is discussed like in the parliament every country have a seat right and if the directive that is being discussed cannot be applied in in local law then they need to bring it at this time and then the directive is like changed but once the directive gotcha. is passed then the law has to comply that's that's fascinating so i, I assume yeah, you brought that up to explain why the cbdc can't be adopted in some of these nations or is that not where you uh, no not really because like no it's a european directive it's gonna take several years before it's ah, applied in different okay. countries and okay. it's gonna look like the details are gonna look different sure. in every country right and so right now the the netherlands already deployed the law that you know goes along with that directive and this is why you see exchanges like coinbase they are already taking measure in the netherlands and it's good to look at the netherlands specifically because they applied the directive so we have a sense of what that's gonna look like in the rest of europe in a year two years time right and uh more than that um other country i would assume that you know the the legislator in the us for instance they are looking at that uh very closely to see how it's going and they're gonna take inspiration from that for for what the law in the us oh, is gonna look like in the I, i'd years, be willing right? to bet my life savings on it uh to, yeah. to be you want to you want to add something yeah so um just to clarify that law is not specifically like creating a central bank digital currency it's just like making it such that it's like very convenient for entrepreneurs to use the central bank digital currencies <laughs> once they do that and it's very hard to use crypto or like as, as hard as like right. you know, currently it's very easy to use crypto because you know it's cryptography you just move money from there to there but you know to get regulatory approval to like make it yeah. make it clean and make everything that it's just uh, much much harder i mean of course there will always be loopholes that uh that um Will be able to be filled so i'm still very optimistic and it's good it's good to know the the rules that you have to play right like once you're like okay here are the rules go like find like find the easter eggs uh then like it's much clearer <laughs> than it's like oh no like yeah it's like well that's we'll that's why i'm advising whatever. people that's why i'm advising people to look at the netherlands because you, you can, can you can front run it you can prepare right like yeah, you right. know what it's gonna look like in a few years even if you are not in Europe, you probably know what it's going to look like in a few years because it's not going to be exactly the same, right? The details are going to be different, but the general idea is going to be the same. So you want I, to look at point. what is happening in the Netherlands right now and, and but I think, you know, expect think that it's going to happen in your place in a few years if you live in the West and then plan yeah. accordingly. I think that's what a great we, point. What we're seeing now more is I think the way they are, they will be rolling it out or the way they will be making people to use it and i think that is uh, most importantly i think some kind of ubi and like you know it's like it it almost seems clear so there's all of these fires all of these like uh shortages all of these like whatever like the shelves are empty and so forth and then they'll be like oh no like this is all terrible and uh, pro like probably a lot of that is like uh, government cost, right? Like, but they, of, of course, course they're, they're not at all responsible for that. And then uh, at some point they'll be like, oh yeah, uh, well, like y'all are poor now, but uh, the shelves- But we have a full. solution. We and the solution, solution is giving up all of your privacy and your, your property rights and everything else. <laughs> um, 
So I, I think you're you're exactly yeah. right. I, I've been yeah. theorizing this for at least a year now that that the the way CBDCs get implemented is via UBI. If you look at California, which I don't even know if you guys you try not to look at California as much as possible. Well, I used to live there. Once. Yeah, yeah. I've spent 38 years there, so I feel you. Um, <clears throat> the the uh, the reason, kind of like what you were talking about with the Netherlands and looking at the regulatory issues that they're rolling out, it's usually a good idea to look at California and see what laws they're rolling out because oftentimes they get extrapolated to the rest of the, at least the country, if not the world. Um, what What very much concerns me is that we have these shortages in oil and gas that are predicated largely on lockdowns and ESG. Um, and, and now the solution to ever increasing prices because there's such a terrible uh, supply sh shortage is to give $1,100 in additional fiat to every Californian. And, and that is, in my opinion, basically UBI. I mean, it's just, it's just a, a one-time UBI. Um, so I'm, yeah, but it's I, a one-time UBI, but what's going to happen? It's going to make the problem even worse, right? Because uh, no, of course, more inflation, it's going to disrupt the supply chain because when the money is not stable, you cannot plan ahead for the supply chain, right? So, exactly. So right. supply and demand fixes itself. Like, what, what, when prices are skyrocketing in oil and gas, what you need is for, well, obviously you need production to come online, which the government is preventing, but you also need the consumer to say, well, this is too expensive for me. I'm not going to go purchase gas and I'm going to fucking walk or I'm going to work from home or whatever. And that allows supply and demand to start to level out. They're going to prevent that process from occurring. So, yeah, so my theory is that they will allow that process to resume, but only if you use the CDBC, because then, you know, okay, here's your airdrop, here's your UBI money, go eat, right? Go, go get your groceries. Uh, but, you know, we just happen to have this, uh, this, this currency. It's way more private than credit cards and everything, right? Like it's way more secure and everything. And we see that. Um, and I think this is also what people should pay attention to. Like here in this area, I'm not sure if it was directly related to that, but the payment infrastructure for credit cards always works here. Like it's very reliable. And just a few months ago in, in here, in my little village, it went off for like a few weeks or so. So people had to return to cash, right? Like there, there was no, there was no other option. You had to use cash wow. and, and, and where, you could where not are you use again? your bank card. I'm in Germany right now. Right. Germany, so, okay. you know, usually a very like chill place, uh, except anyway. And, uh, so we, uh, so that was like kind of showing that, um, and you know it could be like oh these these are now working uh, less good because uh for some reason but like it nudges people towards to be a little bit more skeptical of um of credit cards and everything it's like oh no they're not secure and we know credit card fraud and everything exists so uh, all of that is very bad and i think what it what what it will allow people to be like oh no like you know, and, and maybe there will be a big hack of uh, cryptocurrency or something soon. And uh, not of cryptocurrency, sorry, of, of credit cards, where it's like, oh, no, it just goes down for like two weeks or something. And then uh, people will right. be like, why, why, why are we use, using this? And, um, and you know, Visa and these companies, they are positioning themselves in a blockchain space. So Visa is hiring blockchain developers and so forth. And blockchain and CBDC are very, very tightly uh, interconnected. I mean, I, maybe we yeah. didn't... Uh, Maybe we didn't hit that home uh, close enough. The technology driving Bitcoin and the technology driving CDBCs—they are—they are have like the Venn diagram is like 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 this, right? right? Like they're they, simpatico. They, yeah, they are yeah. very very compatible. So yeah, um, well this yeah, and we see is... that through the developers working on it. Uh, do you guys have like another ten minutes? I, I've kept you pretty long, so I just want to make sure. No, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, okay, that's cool. fine. Go ahead. Uh, what what I want to do is get into. A, a little bit of a bigger picture discussion, even though we've been talking very big picture. Um, 
the my from my vantage point, it looks as if the 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 national debt of many of these nations is to such an unsustainable level that many of these central banks are not going to be able to maintain elevated uh, high interest rates, which is what the at least the Federal Reserve has been doing. I haven't been paying attention to most of the other central banks uh, across the planet, um, but I don't think that they can maintain it long for you know long term or long enough to actually uh, revert or or you know crush squash inflation, and and it makes me essentially conclude that we are probably in a long-term death of fiat, that we're going to have increasing inflation over time simply because the national debts are going to need to be monetized. You're already seeing it in uh, Japan. They, they are uh, the, the Central Bank of Japan now, or the Bank of Japan now owns over half of their treasuries, which means that they, they are monetizing over half of their national debt. That, from an Austrian perspective, you know, setting MMT aside, is completely unsustainable. I think that's that's probably where uh, you know America, much of the EU, is headed. Uh, first off, do you guys disagree with any of that analysis? And and does that mean that we are going to end up with these with these central banks transitioning from U.S. dollars or whatever fiat currency into central bank digital currencies as sure as the sky is blue like is is that is that the only way that they can actually transition through this period because as i just explained i think mathematically they can't increase interest rates for a long enough time to crush inflation and if you have elevated inflation long term you're going to have social unrest that gets really unwielding so i'm just i don't i don't know how it plays out but i just want to get your guys opinion on it yeah so um what what is the case is that this will be like separate kind of money so it won't it will have its own bucket kind of so it really helps if you want to like establish a new thing and what could happen in theory like and i guess that's that's kind of likely is that there might be a dpeg and i think they're actually planning on that so that like one currency isn't worth the same as the other currencies so the cdbc will be have a different value to the like original currency um so in yeah. the in the eu i i or in the like there's proposals to to do that where you have um like where like cash slowly like becomes uh, you have to pay more dollars uh, more more euros in order to get, get one uh, uh euro of like uh, digital coin yeah digital digital money yeah and um that kind of hints that maybe maybe it will uh, be separate and then once once they establish that oh no these are two different currencies and like the uh, like this meme is out there then it could be like okay like obviously we couldn't pay back so they just let hi let the one currency hyperinflate I mean this is all well, mostly a the, theory but it would it no would, I, would be theoretically possible in my view th this that. is exactly well, what Amari was bringing up it, it was it was with the the stable coins it's like if you have uh, algorithmic stable coins and one of them uh, you know becomes extremely strong and the other one goes to zero all of a sudden it's like that's kind of what I would imagine, though, is if if you roll out a CBDC and you depeg it from the existing fiat currency in that nation, and that one's inflating, well, then you're going to have this flood of people to the central bank digital currency of that nation, which would obviously make it stronger and make the other one worthless overnight or very rapidly. Uh, what do you think, Amar? Yeah, so I just wanted to to point a concrete example. If you go to Sweden, for instance, uh, Sweden is very cashless. And in many places, they are just not going to take cash, right? Mm. And so what that means is that in a country like Sweden, cash and electronic payment uh, via your phone or credit card 
it's effectively not fungible anymore, right? It, it's cash is different in Sweden to such an extent that you know it's it's not fungible uh, in in you know practical terms with electronic money, and That's so scary. we can look at that and expect the the you know similar kind of stuff to happen and. You know, like first they have the same value, but they are not quite fungible. But if they are not fungible anymore, how long are they going to, you know, stay at the same value? Wow. So, yeah. so do you guys agree with my analysis that that we are stuck basically in with inflating fiat that is going to force this transi transition into central bank digital currencies? Well, it seems like a plausible scenario. It seems like one of the more plausible, like it's a scenario that I also have in mind. I mean, of course, we don't know what the future will entail, um, but I think that is that is uh, that it, it makes a lot of sense in my view to be like, okay, you know, like this is at some point they can just be like, oh, oops, happens to be this is a separate currency. Like, didn't you know this was always a separate currency? Like <laughs> we told you, right? Like it's always the same. Or it's the same story, right? Like everybody knew this was a separate currency, and like you know, everybody knew this was just a flu. Like why? Like why are you so upset? Right? And uh, and so and so forth. So I um, I will definitely uh, I would I would definitely like look at it from from that perspective for sure. And I think what is also very important, and this might be a little different, but it is something that I definitely want to talk about is that like. The big reason that economists, and I'm mostly talking about Keynesians, like the, sure. the, the, the people that are like... The ones um, with power? Yeah. Yeah, the ones with power. Yeah, the people who, who are like reporting to the government and like giving advice, you know, the people who are advising the government, they are like, uh, you know, in negative interest rates, right? That, that is like the big thing. It's like, oh no, like in order to stabilize the currency now, it, it just happens that we need negative interest rates. And what negative interests are is that if you have money in your bank, then you have to pay for that like a percentage wise. <laughs> right. Right. And of course, what happens, obviously, is that people with, with like, if you have, if, if it's feasible, you just withdraw your money from the bank and you just store it under your mattress. Because at some point it makes sense to be like, okay, like the risk is worth it in order to not have it at the bank. And then obviously right. all the Keynesians are all sad because they can't have the neg negative interest rates because <laughs> you can't, you can't enforce it. Yeah. And we don't want to make the Keynesians sad. Right. So therefore we have <laughs> very much to do. I very much have to do establish want to make them <laughs> and we have to establish a new world order order right like that's the that's the yeah. that's the thing we have well, to do speaking of keynesians with power uh shout out to jen and yell you you sloppy bitch you um so all right uh so let's let's get the latest because i i think i think that the the obvious answer for you know freedom-minded people is going to be uh to adopt cryptocurrencies that are decentralized versus the the central bank digital currencies uh, first off, I'd like to get an update from you guys on XEC and Lotus and whatever you guys are working on project-wise. Um, has there has this unwind, this deleveraging uh, across the crypto space affected you guys in any way? I would imagine so, but I have no idea. Uh, yeah, you maybe Omri, you go first. first? Okay, I can go first. Okay. So before before we get into that, so like I want to stress one point is that we still have cash. Right, we still have cash. Like cash is basically the same as cryptocurrency. Like if you read the Bitcoin white paper, it says there this solves the same problem. In, if you're in person, it solves the exact same problem as cash. Like Bitcoin solves the exact same problem. So if you have the option to use cash, use it. Right, like we we still have that. And in Germany, we have a strong culture of cash. Right, it's like very ingrained in us for some reason that like oh no, like uh, you know, there's actually a big movement. Uh, to stop banning of cash uh, here, like uh, it, it has, it has a little bit of political power. It's not very big, but you know, it's there. 
Whereas yeah. in places like Sweden or so, they're like, oh, I went to Korea, right? And I, and I paid and like the, the girl I was with you, she was like scoffing and like, what, what, what are you like? Uh, some kind of barbaric person paying with, with paper money? <laughs> like, well, what are you? And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, that's like, I do this uh, more or less out of principle. So, and I, and I know that Americans are very, very big on credit cards. And uh, I think you can, like if if we establish more of a culture of cash to be like no like this is this this is freedom money this plastic card is slavery money right like which yeah. which of the two which of the two do you want and of course it's way more inconvenient to use uh, cash than to use uh, credit cards and yeah, for that luckily <laughs> we 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 are working on that to to like if you if you want to send me money right now in cash that's virtually impossible i mean of course you can do a bank wire but say that doesn't exist then cryptocurrency is actually one of the uh, one of the easiest ways to to pay people internationally and when i um, hire people for development i um, exclusively pay them in crypto but but yeah i just wanted to get that out there but to get back to your uh, to your uh, original question so i think that the biggest thing we have going for for us uh, right now is uh, the electronic cash conference so i definitely implore people to to check that out it's not going to be just about ecash and lotus we, we also will cover uh, different things there's actually the the president of the mises institute germany uh, will be there to to make a speech about uh, like the economics of central bank digital currencies and uh, and the, the future that like what will what will the what will the world look like uh, with with that and and probably also a panel discussion on like um the trade-offs between crypto stable coins gold you know maybe maybe gold backed stable coin or something could be the future all all of these different topics uh privacy you know um all of that and i uh like the the domain is 2022.be.cash and uh, that's that's the domain of my company because uh, we're we're organizing that Nice. And, well, and hey, it's I, be I, big I, fun. Yeah. I, I want to I want to ask briefly before I get Amari's answer. What what is the Venn diagram between people that are in the crypto space and those that understand ESG? Because ESG has become mm. kind of my my baby over the past year. Uh, is I, I don't even know if you guys are familiar. I assume you are, but um, is that is that a well known thing? I assume so because they went after. Uh, proof of work and the the electricity that goes into the production of those cryptocurrencies that use it uh is that something that you guys are privy to i mean me, me personally i pay a bit of attention especially like um like the culture especially in proof of work coins is more like oh no like the arguments against uh bitcoin from the esg perspective they're like you look at them and it's like no like actually if you use uh, a crypto, it actually, uh, like if you do mining, it actually helps with the electrical grid, things like that, right? Like uh, people there are way more aware of uh, what's going on there. And of course, like it's it's quite obvious if you think about it, like what's an easy attack for a central bank to to be bashing uh, crypto? It's, it's to attack, like of people course. are very like, um, um like uh, environmental focus yeah okay it's one thing that obviously is bad right it only enables yes. scammers to lose yeah, money the, the, and it's the also green new deal trees. folks <laughs> yeah yeah okay exactly uh, the reason the reason i ask is because if I, I i'm getting invited to a lot of events to speak and i i just wanted to make sure that if i were to walk into a, a crypto event uh people wouldn't be like yeah, yeah yeah we know about esg dude shut up um so sorry uh amari go go ahead uh what, what's the latest with uh oh god i'm i'm blanking what's it called Cash. Um, e cash. Yeah, XEC. Sorry. Yeah, XEC or eCash. Um, I mean, we're we're still working. Um, obviously, the the price, you know, the 
the price is is not so good obviously this is like the bear market right yeah uh, and it affected all of crypto but uh i think on average you know like compared to other crypto i think we have not done too bad and uh, the main reason is that we were not involved that much in that whole DeFi ecosystem and right. therefore you know when it goes up we don't go up as much but <laughs> when it goes down we don't go down as much um so we are we you know we keep going strong um there is something that i think is interesting right because like people are saying okay and, like you want to avoid this problem with central banks and all of that you want to go in crypto but it's more subtle than that it's it's a bit more subtle than that because um you see many crypto they have the old uh, hodl mem like where you need to buy a bunch of crypto and keep it you know like close to you and then you're like in a few right. years it's gonna be worth a massive amount of money and you know when you think about it it's the same as ubi like um right I mean, right right it's not the same mechanism like all the details are different but the the human element to it is the same as ubi and the the negative effect are, are going to be the same as well right because uh, you're creating numbers you are not creating value right yeah um yeah. if a lot of people keep the money close to them then you are limiting the circulating supply of the token which means that the value of the token goes up because there are less of it circulating, but no value has been created in that exchange. If uh, all the people that are holding, they try to cash out, you know, you go back to square one, right? There is right. no, yeah, there you is have no to... value creation there. And there is this allure that either with UBI or with HODL, you are gonna get rich or you are at least gonna get money sitting on your ass knowing nothing doing nothing right and <laughs> this is uh, the problem of a of a very that's a ring asset. right yeah that's no, a ring you're gonna get money you don't need to know anything you don't need to do anything like literally right? right what people tell you is like if you do something you're gonna lose money you need to do nothing right um well and it crushes adoption i mean because then consider like the uh retailers don't have any incentive to actually offer payment services that utilize it so i i totally yeah, so agree from, with you there yeah from a liberty standpoint and this is what we are you know trying to do right from a from a liberty standpoint you want to adopt technology to use them right this is what's gonna make a different a different from you know a freedom standpoint really um so this is the kind of stuff that we focus in in the development of eCash, right um uh, we try to make it like secure instant and all of that uh and and this is the reason and simple right like i'm sure other crypto guests that you could have they're gonna tell you oh we're gonna deal like this smart contract stuff and it's gonna have a bridge with that other thing and you know you're gonna borrow and lend and you know right and uh, <laughs> at the end of the day like most of that is to confuse right because if it's confused enough you don't really know where the value come from and if you don't know what the value come from you can fool yourself into thinking that value is created mm. um right it's it's not how it is so we're working on ring cash it's very simple it's digital cash right uh the crypto space i've forgotten that a bit but this is what we're doing which means that, you know, we try to make it scalable, uh, transaction, you know, that goes uh, instantly and reliably, uh, the whole system is secure, you know, this kind of stuff. Um, nothing very complicated, like all the property that we're working on, people understand intuitively for the most part. Yeah. And 
we do that because that that hold them um, i mean it, it it's not producing anything right and it's not what's gonna give you freedom it's not like it's not doing like you have the freedom to do nothing that's not freedom mm -hmm. yeah i think that's that's an interesting point because you know from the austrian school yeah, delayed gratification <clears throat> like you deserve in some ways especially in a consumerist society where everyone's borrowing and spending as rapidly as possible you kind of deserve to to get some return on that investment because you are saving it and you're delaying that gratification until you know a decade or 20 years later uh, but simultaneously if if everyone that's involved in the crypto space has that same uh you know low time preference it's like well then don't expect the utility to skyrocket don't expect people to actually don't expect adoption to skyrocket because the, the, like like i just explained uh, it doesn't make any sense for a retailer to start to accept it because no well, one's going to well, be spending Austrians, it the austrians say the uh like the the money should go up in value because people are becoming more productive and more things are being made and the economy as True. a whole grows but if everybody just like as Amri said does nothing then right. uh like where does the value come from like it has to come from somewhere and it only comes from people who are actually building things and i think that's that's what i really like about uh like the two things um that i really like about ecash is that they're they have they have two big things like one of them is uh just built you know like we are focused on okay we want to build something right like the value has to come from somewhere we have to we have to build the tools that uh that we need and the other one i think that which is very good is that uh like education like we're, we're um, we are very focused on okay what is this thing actually like we're like many bitcoiners think they know what bitcoin is but i think like we have to be more humble than that like i think bitcoin is like this totally new thing and we have to step back a little and be like whoa, whoa what 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 is this like can mm -hmm. we can we can we describe it like can we go down to like the the like deconstruct it a little or can we look at it holistically yeah. and, i think that's a great um, point because i i think mm -hmm. i made a mistake actually in in saying return on investment because it's not an investment like if no, i if, yeah. yeah like if i were to say you know oh i'm invested in the us dollar you'd be like well you're fucking stupid you know like <laughs> like why why are you investing in in fiat that can be debased um it doesn't make any sense i think i think that's kind of the issue is that uh instead of looking at these things as a you know a replacement for cash where you're just using it to exchange goods uh people are really looking at them as life-changing investments not just investments but like to the moon investments that you can never liquidate and i think that that's that's uh yeah i gotta think about but that that's more. why you see the crash that that you see yeah right for sure because all of those people they went in with the expectation that it went up in the past without understanding why and people told them oh this is because everybody is holding and when everybody is holding the value has to go up but no value is created right so at some point at some point, someone is like, uh-oh, no value is created. And, and the first person, no, seeing happens, right? But once enough people are like, uh-oh, no value is created. Maybe it's time for me to cash out. Then yeah, well, the, the guy, the, it the, all deflates. Wh whoever that whale was at, when Bitcoin, you know, touched 70,000 or whatever it was, uh, he was like, I'm going to go get this value. You know, he's like, he's like, I'm yeah. going to, I'm going to go buy, you know, a, a skyscraper or something um you know something with real utility i i think that's that's very interesting i i see this is the thing and i you know i i know my audience wants me to be like more certain with my analysis of things but the truth of the matter is the reason i love doing this show is because i am learning you know this is all 
a learning process. The reason I invite guys like you on as much as it, as it is a value to my audience, it's a value to me. You know, I, I really, I really learn so much from these conversations. It, it forces me to reevaluate how I'm looking at these different asset classes and these different currencies and things like that. And I hope that everyone that's listening is doing the same. You know, I think that that's, that's one of the most important aspects of the cryptocurrency revolution is that it has forced so many of us. I mean, for guys like us, we have always thought about what is money and, and, you know, but for the vast majority of people, they've never considered it. They've never even thought about it. They're just like, this is the thing that I have that no, I use. Just go to, to your bank. Things. And right. you ask the banker there, what is money? What are the yeah. properties of money? Oh, like yeah. Nine times out of ten, they won't be able to answer that question. <laughs> For sure. Well, I, I really appreciate your guys' time. I hope I hope people are getting a better understanding as to what is money. Uh, go ahead and tell people. I'll start with Amari. Go and tell people how they can follow you, support you, anything else. Yeah, um, so you can go to e.cash for any information about eCash. There is a eCash official uh, Twitter account uh, if, if you like Twitter. Um, go to the conference, you know, like the conference this summer. I think that's going to be great. Everybody has been locked in for like quite some time. Uh, so um, it's going to like, you know, there are many people in that space that I've not met in person for quite some time. I'm going to be very happy to do that. And and. I think you should join. There is always so much more that can be done and said in person um, than, you know, can be outside of it. So, yeah, that that would be. And no, no vaccine. Use mandate, it, right? goddammit. it. <laughs> <laughs> and use it. Yes. There's no vaccine mandates there, right? So if my audience can actually no, go. It's in it's Czech no. Republic. The Czechs are quite based. I think okay, they. Cool. I mean, the Czech. Uh, yeah. Like. The, the history of totalitarianism there is recent enough so that people remember, right? In in yeah. 20, 30 years, maybe, you know, enough people would have died so that they forget. <laughs> but so far, but like you love, but this is actually what happens. And, oh, and I know. This is particularly visible in Europe much more than it is in the US, right? Like you see, if you look at when totalitarianism happens, like in France or Germany, and when it happened in Eastern Europe and... You know, then you see the same timeline like shifted by roughly 80 years happening, yeah. you know, the next time around. Why? Because, well, 80 years is, you know, like Everyone's 80 years dead. after many people that were there, you know, many of them, they died or they were too young at the time to have like an interesting analysis of it. Right. And so when the critical mass of those people start to dwindle, then people forget and they start doing the same shit again. Hey, and brother, so right now, Western Europe is... Uh, losing freedom while eastern europe is like very very adamant to keeping it why because they yeah. got communism uh, much later than than western europe got fascism right and but you know in 20 30 years um it's probably gonna be the well, other way around <laughs> this is exactly why i'm so concerned with the russian ukrainian war is because the vast majority of people that were around for world war ii are not around anymore the, the lessons that we could have learned from that incredibly atrocious experience are kind of being forgotten, and it looks like we may be doomed to repeat it. So, God willing, oh, that won't happen. It's already done. Like, okay. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> I, I, no, but I had the discussion with that with Tobias. I, I don't remember when that was, but it is the, like, the fact the fact that there is a war right now, it means that the mistake has already been made, right? Like, true. Uh, Russia wanting Ukraine. So, okay. Let me like step back. When people they look at those stuff, they look at the details, right? It's like, oh, NATO did that deal and Russia, da da da, and all of that doesn't matter, right? Yeah. 
you need to look at the forces and in what direction they push and what is the equilibrium. And if there is not an equilibrium, then some event is going to happen somewhere that shift the stuff. But those events, they don't really matter, right? The, what matters is that you had an imbalance of power that needed to be settled somehow, right? So Russia wants Ukraine, always has, always will, right? It's been, you know, like when it was the USSR, they invited it at the time, you know, and like they want it. Why? Because they are... Um, I mean, geographical reason, it doesn't matter, right? Sure. They, they just want Ukraine and they always have, and they always will. Right. Uh, so once you understand that, then the question doesn't become like, oh, you know, like what happened with that war suddenly is, is why there was not a war before, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Because it's been like 50 years since the last time they were in Ukraine. So why for 50 years, they sit around and suddenly they decide to go again. Uh, this is what you need to ask yourself. And why is that? Because the West was strong, mm. right? Uh, because the West doesn't want Russia to be in Ukraine, right? And the West was strong. And suddenly the West decide that, you know, they need to have LGBT helicopters and, and whatever. Um, I mean, I have nothing against trans people. If you want to be trans, it, it's fine, right? But at, at some point, um, you need to focus on the important thing, like the West decide to trash their economy with like absurd tax rate and, and completely crazy fiscal policies and, and, you know, printing money like crazy. They lock, like they screw all the supply chain by locking everybody inside. And, you know, like all of wait, that suddenly means wait, that you're the West is you're telling so me that the, anymore. You're telling right? me that the U.S. economy is not doing well because uh, according to the Biden administration, it's never been stronger. Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, according to the Russian government, it's not doing so good. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and sure. And so Russia is like, okay, you know, like before we wanted Ukraine, we still want Ukraine. But before like those guys, you know, they were powerful and they had nuke. And so we did not really want it to ruffle feather with them. But no, it's okay because they, they are they are doing crap. They are not focused, right? They are mm -hmm. not focused and they are not so strong anymore, right? So what the what the war in Ukraine is telling us is that we're already fucked up. Like we were not, we're like, we were just not focused to all our ground as, as a Western civilization. So, so now like people are going to ask, you know, like, oh, we should do this and we should do that, but we only have bad options now, right? Like as we get, as we let Russia invite Ukraine, but then uh, it's not going to be good, not for the Ukrainian, but not for the people. There are many resources there that are not going to be accessible to the world. Plus the Ukrainian, they are going to be okay with that, right? Because last time Russia went, 20, 20 million Ukrainian died, right? So um, they are, you know, they are never going to let it be, right? Um, or, or we get involved, but no, you have a war and it's a war against Russia. It's not a war against like some random country it may extend to many other country in the world it may go nuclear like it's all bad option at this point and the way you avoid that is not by asking yourself now right what to do because no you only have bad option right the way like this is why you need to keep discipline before and stay strong so that you don't need to make those decisions of course right like when there is a buff guy in the bar nobody goes you know attacking the guy right like you see that he's buff and you see that, you know, if you go mess with him, you are going to get your ass and that to yourself. And, and as a result, this guy never need to get angry, never need to get into a fight or whatever, right? It's, it's never the buff guy that is fit foot six, you know, that, that gets into a fight. Um, so, so it's the same story here. You don't want to yeah. get into the fight. You need to be strong 
before the fight so that people are not going to want to pick fight with you. I think I think we'd be better off uh, instead of sending $60 billion or whatever it is to, to Ukraine to spend that money uh, researching a time machine so that we can go back in time and fix some of this shit. Uh, <laughs> anyways, uh, to be as go ahead and tell people how they can follow you, support your work. Yes, so uh, I think the best way is uh, at Tobias Rook. Like you can probably see it uh, somewhere there uh, yeah. the, on the screen. R U C K and... for the uh, the English speakers out there. Yes, R U C K. American English speakers, sorry. <laughs> and uh, and yeah, and check out check, check out our conference twenty twenty two, like the current year. Dot b e dot cash b e dot cash. So there's an additional b in there because we got all the, the cash domains awesome. and um yeah uh, follow that it, it'll be it'll be interesting we we might we might add an option because you know i know there's many americans who might want to uh, see that or participate in that but there's currently a big shortage of uh, flights or like no the, the flight kidding. system is like you you, you experienced that i heard oh my god and <laughs> maybe story for another podcast <laughs> oh, I yeah my flights <laughs> oh j just and, so people know the reason i'm wearing the same outfit uh, today, as I did yesterday, is because my luggage was also lost on top of spending three fucking days in the airport. <laughs> oh, no. They, they have ruined my life. Uh, but yeah, no, it's I, I yeah. would highly recommend you guys try and work on a, a you know teleconferencing option for for people that are interested because that that for me will be probably the only way unless they want me as a speaker because I have so many events I'm doing over the next couple months mm -hmm. I can't possibly imagine putting myself through travel again voluntarily. <laughs> No, I mean, yeah, this no, is good, man. And and I said it before the show, but I think it's worth saying during the show. Like, you've been doing great. Your stuff has been growing quite a bit. That means Thank you're you. putting a good message out there. And uh, it's, you know, it's worth saying. Uh, I appreciate it. Sometimes it doesn't feel that way since I, I don't see any political changes based off of what I'm saying. But certainly, as you said, you know, attention is a, a, a scarce resource. And, and it appears that I'm, I'm drawing some of it. And, and as I said before the show, too, it's largely predicated on the guests I have. I mean, I, I, I really believe that getting experts in these each individualized fields is such an enormous resource to people. I don't think people really grasp like how incredible it is that we have this technology where you can get someone like me who's, you know, old, old school, hard money manager type guy, and then two, uh, you know, tech wizard crypto guys and, and be able to like try and pair our knowledge together and, you know, iron sh sharpens iron type mentality where we get to actually challenge each other's uh preconceived notions and things like that it's just it's just an amazing time to be alive like i know i know uh, you know tobias was referencing how toxic the internet is yes but simultaneously resources like this which are free to people it's incredible it's an incredible time to be alive so take the good with the bad you know 100 agree yeah <laughs> and if, if any like you know, to, to get back to your conference, like if people are interested, you can subscribe to the newsletter on the website. We'll we'll post updates there. Perfect. Um, we'll it, also we might need some helpers. So if people are interested, um, you, know, you can you can t uh, tweet at me uh, anytime, and and yeah, we'll we'll keep you guys we'll keep you guys updated. And you know, thanks Love so much, Clint, for having us. Like it's always good to like. You know, we, we, we work in our, uh, you know, uh, boxcar on these, no, in our uh, uh, region <laughs> on, on working on that. <laughs> we keep working on that, but, you know, at some point we need people to actually start using it. And, you know, that's that's what we're focused oh, on. I so couldn't agree more, man. Very important. I, I, I'm, I'm talking about it. You guys are being about it. And I, I think that, uh, you know, 
tying those two things together, letting people know where the escape hatches are, and hopefully, uh, you know, teaching them how to use those tools is is really how we get through this. Is it's not mm. it's not a silver bullet. It's not an easy solution, but it is <clears throat> part of the solution, as my uh, my good mentor Dave Smith would say, to solve yeah. part of the problem. <laughs> yeah, and look what happens. Like what happens when the problem get bad, if people can get out of it, right? Like sometimes the whole situation collapses and there is no way out, like North Korea, for instance, or sure. a few places in, in South America where the economy is so collapsed that the reverse is, is very difficult. But if you look at, at Europe after the war or Eastern Europe after the USSR or stuff like that, like people are, you know, very attached to the value of freedom and entrepreneurship and stuff like that for the years that come after. Like, Europe have never been so prosperous than the few decades after the Second World War II, right? And and this is not random, right? Because this was a time where people understood the value of freedom and capitalism and entrepreneurship mm. and stuff like that. And they were building like crazy and creating value like crazy. And now Europe is not doing as good as it used to because it's been forgotten, right? So if we can have a escape hatch, so that the value that we have, they can survive through the bad time. We're going to find a lot of people that share those value at the end of it. But it's going to take, you know, a decade, maybe 15 years. It's going to take some time, right? Because uh, for most people, unfortunately, it's going to have to get bad before they realize uh, that things need to be different. I, I think you're exactly right. And I think that's why, you know, last month I had 100,000 downloads for the first time in the history of the show. And I only do Congrats, two episodes. Man. Yeah, thank you. I, I only do two two episodes a week. It's like, well, that's that's showing you like if you produce value and and there's increasing tyranny, like people are going to find these avenues and and people are going to share uh, any any sort of product that that meets these needs because it's it is rare and hard to find. So, um, thank you guys so much for your time. I kept you way longer than we had expected, but it was incredibly valuable. Uh, anyways. Well, oh, anybody out there that wants to support my work, everybody else is doing plugs, libertylockdown.locals.com. Thank you guys so much for coming on. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Amazing conversation. Really appreciate those guys. Make sure you support their work. Make sure you look into what they're actually working on. See if it's something you want to participate in or assist on. Uh, now, now or never, folks. You know what I mean? Uh, next weekend, I will be, or actually this weekend when you're hearing it, I will be in Michigan at the LP uh, speaking with Justin Amash. Uh, I don't know how many people are going to be there, but it should be an amazing event. And then uh, the week after that, I will be at Freedom Fest in Las Vegas with everyone you can possibly imagine. Dave Smith and Spike and everybody's going to be there. It's going to be killer. Uh, if you are in or near Vegas, please come check us out. If you want to support my work, as always, go to libertylockdown.locals.com and sign up over there. You can see some exclusive content and I'll be doing an AMA where you can come on stream with me live and ask me questions. Also, like, comment, subscribe, do the damn thing. Appreciate you. We're out. Big shout out to everybody that's been with me since Jump Street. Appreciate y'all. Welcome to Liberty.
liberty lockdown Please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone But yeah, it's on hold Where did it come from And where did it go It requires a fight Not from your phone Don't need a king Get him off the fucking throne If you're riding with the thought You've always got a home The virus you're scared of Will come and it'll go The government knows Just don't get treated like a hoe Like Nico and Shane You're probably wondering What's happening Scared Hollywood Left these lyrical feminine A typo with Luke Might bring them nooses We all bite the bullet I'm the king of the gooses Freckles and Brit Didn't know I could spit Knew I was a patriot But now I'm the shit Peter Quinones, invite me on Which podcaster sends custom songs Part of the problem, now I stand with the people Dave showed the way, but I am unequal Lions of Liberty, now hear me roar Beat running up, but I got a bit more Robbie the Fire, always running his mouth But I made him a sandwich, now I'm man of the house The malice for Nick, but you're welcome to quit I went over BLM with the fire I spit Friends against government just call us fags Copied the Cairo, put mummies in the bag Liable opinions get thrown on the ground Silky smooth time was the only sound Getting so hot must be air July Screaming in the mic and rip a 59 Miles to ratio that black guns matter Now all these lefties got crazy small bladders None of us wanted war but we're ready You know I be bopping and rock steady Liberty lockdown, please scan your barcode Your liberty ain't gone but yeah it's on hold Where did it come from and where did it go It requires a fight, not tweeting from your phone Don't need a king, get him off the fucking throne If you're riding with the thought you've always got a home The virus you're scared of will come and it'll go The government knows this, don't get treated like a hoe